0: So we are in this series on temptation. We've t- uh, tried to put together different verses every week to, to open, to connect with you or to bring us in different places. Every week we've had this verse up there that no temptation is overtaking you, that is not common to man, and, and God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape or uh, the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I mean, that's a verse that... He, You just need to memorize. Everyone needs to memorize this as kind of a, in case of emergency, break glass and grab on to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That, okay, this is really intense, but God has promised me a number of things out of this. And it's the verse I want to come back to and, and just work our way through this morning. Our whole series has been out of Genesis 3, and along the way or maybe at the end i want to just kind of set this verse over genesis 3 and and just how would this verse have worked for eve and adam when they're in their moment so turn with me to to genesis 3 i just want to read the the account of of what went on there in the first temptation genesis 3 you know one thing that struck me this week it's obvious maybe you struck you a long time ago this was the first lie that eve had ever heard in her life Everything before that had been absolutely true, whether God spoke it or, or Adam spoke it. This is the first time anyone ever said anything to her that made her wonder, that made her have any kind of doubt. It's the first experience with that. So, you know, we just, we read Genesis 3, we know sin comes in the world, Genesis 3, Adam, uh, Eve, Eve gets deceived by the serpent, he says these things, and she doesn't have a great handle on God's word, all these things, but I don't realize, she's never, ever been in this situation before which we can appreciate your situations you've never been in before. They are, they totally can overwhelm you or just disrupt everything. So Genesis 3, let me read just the first six verses here, or seven verses here. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, or neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate and then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths and then god shows up and all of human history starts to unravel from that point and everything that wasn't ever supposed to happen happens i always think about that at funerals when when i lead them God never, ever planned for us to have this kind of pain. He never planned for us to go through an experience like this. His plan was for life forever. And we're the ones that stepped in and, and have brought this on ourselves. Which is why it's great in the last book, he promises that there will be a day where we never experience this again, forever. I mean, that's, that's what's told in this place where it's life eternal for us. so, So we're talking about, Temptation and, and temptation, it just has a way of blurring things that seem really obvious to us. It blurred things for Eve. She was convinced that God was good and he was reliable and it, that this was the rule that if we, they ate of the tree that's in the middle of the garden that they would die, but it just all kind of blurred when, when temptation came and even before she knew what temptation was. Temptation has a way of blurring your priorities whether it's whatever you need to get done this afternoon and you're only going to watch half the patriots game and then it gets 4:15, and 4:25 is kick off and it just starts to blur the importance of things whether it's something that that's that that is is that inconsequential or something that's major temptation just has a way of blurring what's most important to you and what your priorities are or what should be done next or all of those things it just it will blur your security, how secure you feel, all, all, of, all of those different things temptation kind of comes over us and then the rationalizing starts that rationalizing we're so good at just kind of kicks in it's not that big a deal and so we make big deals out of things that are not that big or it's 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 a big deal and we make big deals out of things that are not that big we just start to rationalize that why it's okay just once this last time all of those things that just come unraveling and the evil one is he is so helpful in those moments to keep feeding us rationalizations. Don't forget about this one. Don't forget about this person. This person did this. This person got away with it. This person grew back. I remember one time in our youth group up in our church in Maine, someone was leading their teenagers in a Bible study, and they were talking about getting away from Jesus and trying to keep yourself close and told their story of how far, far out there they were. And then they came back, and this one girl just kept saying, but you came back, right? And she said, yeah, I did. You know, God was really good. I came back. But you came back. She asked it enough that it became clear. She was thinking that, so I can do this because God will bring me back. So we were, that would probably been around 1990. That girl has yet to come back. So, you know, but you get that in your mind. Hey, you'll come back. It's okay because people come back. It just has a way of, of just unleashing all of these rationalizations that go on in our mind. I wanna talk for a second what temptation is because I was chasing down the different words that the Bible will use for test and tempt, especially in the New Testament where we're gonna be there. And this word that God chose in 1 Corinthians 10 that no temptation is overtaking you, that's a neutral word. That word in about half the places it's used in the New Testament is used of just testing something. I wanna just test this thing out, make sure it's gonna work. I'm sure it's gonna work, but I just wanna test that out. And then the other half it's used of tempting. Let no one say when they're tempted to do evil that God has tempted them. So it's used that way. So the word is neutral. It's the word used about Jesus's temptation. When you have that, and on the one side, God is following Jesus on that temptation to prove that this is my son. He's not gonna sin like Adam did. And the devil is on the other side of that temptation saying, I'm gonna entice this man and he is going to sin. So it's, so it's a neutral word when you get into those moments. It's, it can be a moment where you, pr- you get an opportunity to prove, no, God, you've, you've d- done a work in my life. I'm, n- I'm not going to do that, say that, think that, or put that off anymore. And God is pleased. He's tested when he sees that. And sometimes temptation, we all experience it. We fall into it, and it's a moment of, God, I'm so sorry I, you know, that that drew my sin into me, and I stepped into it. Hey, thanks for mercy, and thanks that that's already paid for in the cross. I mean you're protected from condemnation, which is where the evil one also tries to take us. Yeah. So I wanna so I to wrap up as we as we look at temptation, as we look at the the evil side of it, or what Satan's doing in the other side with this verse that's in First Corinthians ten. So let me be, turn over there with me. First Corinthians ten you're new to the bible you're gonna you hit the the four gospels in the new testament and then the book of acts and then romans and then first corinthians so if you if in the new section new testament we're hitting all these short books it's before that first corinthians 10 verse 13 and there are i feel like there's a arsenal of verses every believer should just have memorized just as a safety as a safety for you, or one of those things God can just bring back to mind for you. So here it is in First Corinthians 10:13. No temptation is overtaking you. That, that is not common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's a great verse. It's in a weird context, because the verse before it says... Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So you kind of have pride that this will never happen to me. And the next verse is, when this happens to you, God has a way out. It's one of those places in the the Bible that you got to back up to get a handle on where does this come from. In in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul's talking about all the different things that he does to, to to, to try to reach people. He'll say, You know, when I'm with people that are Jewish, boy, I just identify with them as Jewish. I keep, you know, we keep the dietary laws. When I'm with people that are Gentiles, I eat whatever Gentiles wanna eat. When I'm with this group of people, I adapt to whatever's important to them. He's not being hypocritical, he's just being sensitive to, he says, I do this so that I can win as many people to Jesus as I can. And then, toward the end of chapter nine, he says, I'm doing this as focused as I can, and as disciplined, keeping myself as disciplined as I can, and I'm doing this as energetically as I can. That's where you get this verse. He says, therefore, I don't run aimlessly. I don't fight as like I'm someone boxing the air. I I beat myself, I beat my body into submission. You know, I, I, I keep myself totally under control so that I keep doing this, and he says at the end of it, so that I won't be disqualified in the end. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with losing his salvation. Maybe it's a sense of just losing everything I've worked so hard to gain. So you get to that point, you're reading, if you're reading this in Corinth, thinking, man, are you kidding me, Paul? You know, how could he ever be disqualified? Well, when he starts chapter 10, he says, I, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, our fathers were all under the cloud. And they all passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Paul, you don't have to worry about this. Hey, I don't want you to forget that our ancestors, they were with Moses, and they saw amazing things every day. And they still bailed. So, so I need to stay on track. And so they go, chapter 10 just kind of walks through all the things that Israel did that, got, that showed their lack of faith and got them off, off track. And then along the way in chapter 10, you get this verse. So let anyone who thinks he stands be careful lest they fall. And no temptation is overtaking you except that is common to man. And God will, with the temptation, provide the way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. It's important context to be in. When you find yourself, when somebody's talking about a temptation and you find yourself thinking, and we all do, yeah, that's not really an issue for me. You need to just also pray the next line, of, God, please keep that from ever being an issue for me because the one who thinks he stands. And, and that's the way we're wired, isn't it? I mean, there are things that tempt you that would do nothing for me and vice versa. But God puts his verse out there to say, just be sure that you could do anything. If you're sure that you could do anything in the right conditions, then you'll be safe from doing anything in the wrong conditions. So he, he puts this for us and here's this verse and we talk about the lies of temptation. I think one of the, the, kind of the key this morning is make sure you don't add your lies to temptation's lie because that's what we tend to do and I think that's what you see in this verse. You see these four lies that we tell ourselves when we're being, when we're being tempted and, and that's the direction that I wanna go. Here's temptation, and temptation is the lies that we tell ourselves when we get into those moments. So all out of First Corinthians 10, 13, we get this lie that we tell ourselves that no one understands this. I've had people say that to me, and you have, you know, said to you, when you're talking to someone and you're sometimes challenging them, listen, you can't do this, or you're worried for them and you're encouraging them in this, or they're worried what's going to happen to them and you're having that conversation, however that goes, you will hear people say, you just don't understand. Nobody understands what's going on in my life right now. Nobody understands how I feel. That's a lie that you're telling yourself. And lies have incredible power And they have growing power, don't you find that? When you step into a lie and you believe it, its power just kind of grows, which is the power of truth. When you bring truth to a lie, it just loses its power. When you shine light on a lie, it just becomes what it is. It's, It's a hollow, empty promise that's coming to you. So we say this thing, nobody understands, nobody gets this, you don't know the intensity, you don't know what this triggered in me, you don't know the wound that this brought up, all of those things. But God is saying to you that no temptation, he's pretty clear there, he's pretty ex- inclusive, isn't he? No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. This, this temptation may be a unique experience for you, but it's not a unique experience in, in mankind, it's common. It's just human. That's how they would translate this word sometimes. You're experiencing this, but it's not, it's not just for you. It's just not about you. Don't fall into that. I, because I haven't walked your journey, I might not understand how you feel. But the beauty of having a body and the beauty that God has brought you into this body is because he knows your journey. And he has in this body people who have walked your journey. He has people in this body, people who understand which is, which is one of the, the nicer things. We've been talking about that in the last week or so. It's kind of nice to be in a smaller church where we know each other, where you can tell me what's going on, and typically a couple of people come to mind that have been through that, that I can connect you with. That's the power of the body because there's power in that lie that nobody knows this I can, I can struggle with this and the reason that it might lead me into sinning is because nobody else understands it. That's a lie and you gotta take the power away from that lie because God says it's not true and our body will say that it's, that it's not true. And so you just, you take that away. It's not, just, it's not just here that people can relate to you because Bruce was referring to Hebrews earlier. It says in Hebrews that Jesus can relate to you. It talks about Jesus as our high priest, it says, We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Isn't it interesting that this is the next verse? We always quote this last verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. You can draw near to the throne of grace when you are struggling with what to do, because your high priest knows exactly what that's like. In fact, it gets a little clearer, a little later in Hebrews, it says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. You've gotta be able to allow the humanity of Jesus to stretch out that far, that when Jesus, I know you never sinned, but that didn't mean he didn't know the agony of being tempted. It didn't mean that he didn't know what it was like for a human nature to scream what he should do he just always stayed connected to god and and as the god man he just he wouldn't sin wouldn't sin and so but but he knows that other side so when you pray you say how do you say to jesus jesus i just wish you knew what it was like to feel rejection yeah he's 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 got a handle on he's got a handle on that one jesus i just knew, wish you knew what it was like to have financial pressure the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Remember he said that to a follower? Jesus is like, you just don't know what it's like not to have job security. You know, all of those things that we want to say to him. Jesus, you just don't know what it's like w- w- not to know what you're supposed to do next. That's why he was up early every morning. You know, remember the, in Mark 1 when they say, Jesus, there's a ton of more people here who want to be healed. He says, no, we've got to go on to the next town. He, he, he learns that morning where it's supposed to go. So whatever it is, that your internal struggle, whatever it is that's tempting you in a moment, he, he understands that. Some of you in recovery, you know, does he understand what it was like to want to get drunk? Does he understand what it was... He understands what it was like to want to lose control. He understands what it was like to want to just step out of the reality of the moment. He understood that struggle. Whatever it is, you can break it down. And, and as you read his life here, you find he... He understands everything, and that's what the scripture says. So when you pray to him in the midst of your temptation, you can hear him from heaven saying, I know, I know, I'm with you. That's important to know, and that's, that's who he is. That's a part of what makes him wonderful savior. Did it really bother him? This is another verse in Hebrews that says, In the days of his flesh, when he was here on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Amen. Yeah, so you're crying out to God, help me with this. I don't want to do this again. I don't, to, I don't want to do this anymore. He understands that kind of, he understands the passion and the anguish of that kind of prayer. Because it tells us that's how he was praying. God, God, says, God says to us, boy, it's common to man you've got to take away the lie that nobody understands this because it, because it's not true. Here's another lie in the passage that that we tell ourselves, God just didn't show up. We don't really put it that way. We just get a sense, you know, some way that says that God didn't give you what you needed in that moment. If he would have given you what you needed in the moment, you wouldn't have fallen into sin. You wouldn't have given into the temptation. Some ways we put we put that, that God just didn't show up. Because it says, but God is faithful, and he will. I remember talking to someone <clears throat> years ago, excuse me, just dealing with a particular sin in their life, and that's what he kept saying to me. <clears throat> excuse me, that's what he kept saying to me. Well, God has just n- not decided to deliver me from this yet. You know, we, we talked about that. You've got to be careful because at some point you start to slander God that well, God is leaving me in my sin. He's choosing to leave me here in sin. Well, holy God can't do that. And so we talked about specific Bible verses that were out there that he wasn't, he wasn't implementing, he wasn't putting into effect. You know, if you, you struggle with pornography or you, you struggle with watching whatever you watch on TV that is marginal, wherever that goes, he tells you in Romans, make no provision for the flesh. If there's something that tempts you, then you need to cut that out. So, so Friday, my brother called me, I was downtown, I'm walking, he goes, hey, where are you? I said, actually, I'm in the casino. And he said, what? I said, yeah, I'm here in the casino. I said, let me make it better and tell you, I just won my court case. He goes, what, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm totally serious, I'm here in a suit, walking through the casino on the way back to my car. And so I thought, you know, just as brother to brother, I'd let that hang for a second. (laughs) And then I just told him, yeah, casino has free parking downtown. So I parked in the casino casino parking garage and in the brilliance of the casino, you have to walk through it to get out of there. I mean, that's just good marketing, that's good planning. So I was over at, at the district court because I had a couch out of my front yard that we were giving away, trying to give away. And evidently in Springfield, you're only allowed to do that for 24 hours. And that couch was so nice, I was surprised nobody picked it up, so I left it out there for a week. So, seriously, I mean, it was like that. When I called the officer, when I got the $100 citation, yeah, are you with me now? So, yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, I called the officer, he was very friendly, and uh, yeah, I just, he just said, you know, just get a, appeal it, get a date. Do you have a free sign on I said, no, but, you know, he said, just, you know, you... You should have a free sign, admit that you just didn't have one on there, you know you should, and they usually waive that. So I went down, I wore a suit to make sure it l- would look okay. Didn't wear a tie, because I didn't want to overdo it. Didn't want to look like I was a lawyer, because I thought then they might have an attitude. So, see, those of you who think overthinking, I'm with you. So, had a nice hearing in all of that, and all of that. That was really, for me, walking through the casino was a sad experience looking at people my age, just glassed over, you know. I'm doing that automatically. They're just pushing the little button things. So if that's an issue for you in any way, whether it's the casino or whether it's cards or whether it's the football pool, you need to make no provision for the flesh and you need to pay for parking. (laughs) Really, if that's that's gonna be as innocent as that is, you just wanna stay out of the building or walk down where the cars drive out. You know what that is? So this, this discussion we had about God just isn't doing this for me yet. No, what you're doing for yourself is not allowing God. You're not allowing God into that space because we say that a lot. God, you know, God shows up in the garden for Adam and Eve. He says, where are they? They should have called him in that moment. You know, how does, how does this verse, how does it lay down on top of Genesis chapter 3? God is faithful. If they would have called him, he would have been there in a moment. You know, he, he's omnipresent. We need to duct tape this, pro, this promise to the fact that he's omnipresent, that if he's always present, then he's always faithful, then he's always available. Whatever the, whatever's going on in your heart, whether it's this praise and thanks that might have got stirred up this morning, or whether it's this desire to sin that's going up. He is always available to you. He he shows up in in that way. He's he's for you. The evil one draws you into temptation with this sense like he did with Jesus. I can get this person to sin. I can get them to do this. I can get them to do this again. I don't care how much sobriety they got. I can do this. That's always the approach he takes with this word for temptation. From heaven God is for you, and God is pushing, pushing you to where you need to go. God is cheering for you. God is on your side. All of those things, he's, this Holy Spirit is inside of you for exactly these kinds of moments because he's faithful. He doesn't, he doesn't ever say after you, you give into temptation, heaven is never saying, see, I knew it. I knew that's what he'd do. Heaven is usually saying or always saying, I wish they would have just tapped into us. Because he's always faithful. He's always going to be faithful. Listen to some of the scriptures. In Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. He's faithful in all of his words and his word is that he's going to be there in your moment of temptation and he's going to provide a a way out of that. In, In 1 Thessalonians, It's interesting some of these verses were referred to in prayer service this past week it's a paul says to the thessalonians abstain from every form of evil just don't say when you start telling yourself not that bad you are moving into into the realm of evil abstain from every form of evil now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. You just have to surrender and allow him to do it. And then in the second letter to the Thessalonians, it gets a little more specific to it. It says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. As long as you don't allow the evil one an open door. You know, as, as long as you walk in fellowship with the Lord, as long as you walk in tune, as long as when you hear that, that small voice you do what it says he will keep, he will deliver you so that's that's the lie when we're struggling with that and we're we're this sense of god where are you he's all right by the way when you when you cry out because the psalmist will do that god where are you i need you right now he will reveal where he is and how to show up he'll have someone show up he'll have bring something to your mind he will have things change how he's going to do that he will show up because he's always going to be faithful if you allow him to show up aren't there sins in the bible like abraham having a child because he just didn't wait he didn't give god time to show up and so he decided to create the timetable so here's this here's this lie god didn't show up not only does he not, not only does he show up he's just always there that idea we have that god would you please show up it's like i'm right here what are you what are you waiting for you know i'm here that's that's the truth that we need to go. And we need to hang on. Here's this other lie that comes out of, out of this passage. It was just too much for me. You know who hasn't said this? It just got too hard. It got too intense. It went on for too long. I just couldn't take it anymore. That's the lie. If the end of that is, and so, I just did this. It got too hard. You know the compassion of God. The only side. Of the, the compassion of God understands that and feels that. It's just that that's never speaking the truth because he promises in this verse that it will never be too much for you because he he says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not allow that to happen. As the ruler of the universe, he will not allow a temptation to come your way that just is too much for you to say no or or to say yes, whatever whatever the situation should be. He won't do that. Look at some of, these, some of these verses out of the Gospels. He says to Peter, calls him by his Jewish name, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. Think about that. Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. And then Peter goes out, and he follows Jesus, and he follows him into the courtyard. And those servant girls say to him, aren't you one of his disciples? And that the intensity of that moment begins. But Peter should have gone back to this moment that this is pretty scary. Are they going to arrest me too? And am I going to be with Jesus? And that could be really dangerous. But Jesus is praying for me. He's prayed for me that I would stand through in this moment. And then, you know, because God is always pointing ahead to hope, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers he's going to sift you, I'm praying for you, but if you, fi- if you fail, then just turn around and strengthen your brothers. Take what you failed at, take what you've done, and use that to help others get strong. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with everything, in, in all of that? And then again, in, in Genesis, a chapter after our after our moment with Adam and Eve, when Cain has Is thinking about killing Abel, and there's that intensity going on. And the Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Those pressures you have, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the power not to give in to those things. They get super intense. At times, whatever it is you struggle with, or sometimes it's something you've never struggled with, and then out of the blue it comes, and you wonder, hasn't that happened to you? You wonder, where did this come from, and why is this an issue for me now? I think I mentioned several years ago that Cindy would just suggest things to me, and I'd have this reaction to her. What are you, my mother? What do you think? I'm stupid. I didn't think of that myself. I I rarely said that out loud, but I just had that in, in my spirit, which is really strange. She is not at all that kind of personality. And so, yeah, the best thing I ever did was talk to her about that. I said, you know it's crazy? When you remind me to do things, and, and if you kind of know me, I need to be reminded to do things, you know? I appreciate, appreciate the iPhone list, I appreciate Siri that I can just tell to remind me. Uh, we got a, something going on, I put a thing in earlier, Siri, would you remind me at 12.15 to call this person? I love that. So it wasn't all Cindy, it was just this. And so one of the best things I did was bring that out in the light you just say, you know what's weird? The last, last couple months, I get this reaction when you tell me to do things. She said, I'm not trying to, I said, I know, it's not you. It's not you. One of those times when it was true. It wasn't her, it was me. <laughs> but getting that out in the light takes the power away from it. Getting it into your head where you realize this is what's really going on takes the, takes the power away from it. Because sin's desire, its desire is for you. I mean, that temptation, the reason Satan's using it is that he wants to control you. And as a believer, you don't ever have to be controlled because the truth is there. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength if you will step into that, if you will step into that. So it's too much for me. We live there. We think it's, too, it's getting too hard. It's getting too long. This is something that it just, it just opens up a wound. All of those things we say, and they are ways of saying, this is too much for me. I, I just can't resist anymore. I just can't, I can't go through this anymore. I've got to bail out of it. I've got, to, I've got to give in, whatever that is. But that's the lie we say. It's too much. And again, that's one of the reasons for the body. That's one of the things you've you got to love about AA is people get a sponsor, and there is somebody that they know they can call at any moment. And, and if you're in recovery, you, you know about temptation, and you know about intensity. But you also... You know, you know the power of sponsor. That's supposed to be the, pot, the power of the body of Christ. That one of the reasons you stay for lunch is so that God can network you to people that he wants to network you to so that in those moments, you, you know somebody to call who can tell you this, this doesn't have to be too much. What can we do? What can we do to get, to get this away from you? Because if you hang in there on that lie that it's too much, it's getting harder, it's getting harder, it's getting harder, it's just gonna blow at some point and you're going to give in. And of course, the wonder, if you give in, you just repent, you thank God for mercy, and you just move on. You forget the things that are behind, and you press forward. That's the great part of it. So this last, this last lie that we come out of, our, I think I've got a verse here I wanna use, yeah, out of Psalm 103, you know, listen to this, the father knows you, he knows how you're made, he knows what you can take. It says in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. There was a thing, I think it was on Facebook, this article was going around, will God give you more than you can handle? And this person wrote, of course he will, and of course he will. Of course he'll give you more than he can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. And he'll give you more than you can handle, so that you will find out what he can do in you, and what you can be, you know, what he can be in you, and that you can do all things through Christ, who gives you strength. So he knows you. He's, Jesus is the one who's created you. Jesus is the one who has walked through you, and he knows your journey. He knows things that, are, that trigger you, and he knows all about that. He, he's the one that understands, and he understands that things w- that would just wipe you out might not have any effect on me, and things that would wipe me out might not have any effect, and he knows all of that. And so... When it says in the passage, he's not, going to be able to, he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what your ability is. He knows your ability. Okay to be honest with him and, and pray, God, I really don't think I can do this much longer. I don't think I can hang in there. I don't think I can, whatever it is, fill in the blank. I don't think I can. But I know that you know me. And, and I know that you're not going to allow this to go on. But what you know that I can endure. You know, Warren Risby used to say, God always has his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. I always love that quote. He knows how hot it's getting and he knows how long it's going on. So don't fall into that lie. Don't speak that lie over yourself. It's just too much for me. I, I can't do this anymore. And, and then this last lie that, that we tell ourselves in temptation that really I had no choice. There was nothing I could do because he says, but he will, with the temptation, provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. I never noticed till this week, and and I memorized this verse a long time ago, with the temptation, he will provide the way. I always thought it was just a way of escape, but no, God is so involved in your temptation that he's put together the way of escape, the best thing to do you know, we're wrestling with temptation, we're thinking, what should I do? What should I? I, could do this, I could do this, I could do this, it's a matter of God to show me what's the way. What's the way that's not gonna lead me into more temptation? What's the way that's not gonna be a short-term thing? What is the way that you have out of this? It's always there, it's always something that, that God has put together. God always covers all the details, so he knows all the details that, that you know, will need to fit together for that to happen and it's always going to lead you to an escape. This is a the word they would use of like when, when an army would be trying to cross a mountain through the mountains, and they'd be trying to find their way through the mountains, and they would finally find the pass through the mountains that they can get to the other side. This was the word they would use, escape. God will always provide the pass you need to get to the other side of this. That's the promise. So I had no choice. That's a lie. We'd speak over ourselves because he's always got, he's always got the way out. Ellen Redpath uh, wrote a book on 1 Corinthians. He says, sometimes the way of escape is by running. It's just by getting out of the situation. Sometimes it's nice when it's that simple. You can just, hey, I'm leaving. Hey, you guys are, you know, we parked, it, we parked over here, but listen, I can't be near gambling, so I'm leaving. There's sometimes you can run. Sometimes it's not that simple. It's, it's a little more complicated like that but there are places where we're told just to run. Even in in this book, in 1 Corinthians, Corinth was an incredibly sexually immoral city. He says to them, flee sexual immorality. Flee from it. Every other sin a person commits is outside his body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know, in Greek thinking, the body wasn't that important. It was just the spirit. That's what you connected to God with. So it really didn't matter what you did with your body. And so in Corinth, Greek city, Paul's trying to to deal with that. Flee sexual immorality. He says to them, a few chapters later, he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from those things we put our trust in that are short of putting our trust in God. It says in Mark, Jesus says another strategy to us, watch and pray. They may not enter in temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And don't we all experience that? Here on Sunday morning, the spirit is willing. This is how I want to live. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm not doing anymore. Then somehow you get into Monday, and the flesh kind of starts to get get stronger over us. Watch and pray. That's a strategy that, that God puts there for us. When you watch and when you're aware and when you are praying and you're developing your relationship with God, that just gets you ready for temptation. In James it says, submit yourself to God, just surrender your life to him. And resist the devil and he will flee from you. He has to. When you speak truth, it kind of exposes his motives. When you speak that you know God has this for you, when you take the steps that God has put out there, he's, he's going to flee from you. And then it says in Hebrews 12, speaking to Jesus, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, that he made his way through, and now he has his reward. So consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's reminding them of how far Jesus had to go in that. So focus on Jesus. Lord Jesus, I know I know you've experienced this. I know you're with me. I know you got through it. I know you will get me through it. So I know I, I have a choice. I just want my choice to be with you. You know, one of the things God might be doing to get you ready for uh, temptation is to do things ahead of you. Like say there, that God that God knows there's something coming this week, there's a temptation coming this week, there's a test, a temptation coming this week, and so he puts, he puts things together, the worship team practices Thursday night, and they come up with this song, hey, let's do this song, and to them, it's just a we haven't sung it for a while, it's a good song, let's do this song, but that song has truth for that person that they're gonna need, and, and that will that will strengthen something in their, in their spirit, or will remind them of something in their mind, and he directs us in the word, or he moves us in a second to say, let's give some testimonies about God's goodness that somebody's going to need as they move through the week. But something came up, and that person decided not to come to church. Maybe they had a late Saturday night, or maybe they just didn't feel like getting up this morning, or maybe they had a fight and decided, I don't wanna to go to church mad. All those things that come up, for reasons we don't come to church, and so they don't hear that. See, there are times God is trying to do things ahead of you to get you ready that we miss. That's, that's one of the reasons it's so important for you to be in the Word every day because he's trying to give you something every day that will make you strong enough for what's coming. So, so uh, that came to me this week when I'm thinking, it's not just in that moment of temptation God's going to show up and he's going he's to give you this. A, a lot of times it's what he's done ahead of you that has you ready for that moment to be able to use that way of escape. So, you know, we come to the end and we're praying, God, just, you know, reveal to me temptations that I'm facing that I'm not even aware of. God, help me with those things where you know and I know these things are huge temptations for me. In the moment of doing that, we also need to pray, God, help me to be faithful to do and to walk with you in the way that I need to do so that I'm ready, so that I'm ready for that. Hey, for some of you, it might be to start to include Wednesday night. Wednesday night's become uh, a very wide-open service of testimony and prayer and scripture, and there are things that you're going to hear that will get you ready. So, for some of you, maybe God, I just I need I need to take take that step. We have a number of people that are that are coming out faithfully Thursday night to Road to Recovery. That's a provision that God is making for some people that are in recovery, for some that don't know Jesus yet, who are going to hear about him along the way, or some who do and are finding strength in that. That's something he's doing to get people ready. Don't miss that point that he's trying to get ready and not just show up, not just show up in that moment. So were Adam and Eve in that? What, what was the way of escape for them? They were the rulers of the, of the creation. They could have told the serpent to back down because they had authority over him. It sure felt like he had authority over them, but the truth was they had authority over him. They didn't need to do that. Their way of escape was Eve saying to Adam, Adam, help me here. Do I have this right? Or Adam stepping in and protecting his wife or both of them calling out to God. That was their way of escape that they just didn't take advantage of. And because they didn't take advantage of, things just started to unravel, just like they do for us, just like they do for us. So the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing and we need to respond to temptation it's something we're always dealing with you need to while they sing you just need to decide god here's this temptation. you know what it is i know what it is i've been flirting with it and i just need to lay it down god i've been putting myself in this position and it makes me so vulnerable i just want to help me get out of this position or maybe, maybe your response needs to be, God, help me to do the things that I know I need to do. I need to be in your word for myself. I need to be faithful. I need to, whatever that is, you'll hear from the Holy Spirit. How do you know the Spirit's voice from the, the devil's voice? I always feel like, if you feel like the voice has a stick in its hand, it's usually the devil. If you feel like the voice has a, is inviting you, that's usually the Holy Spirit, you know? The devil is usually telling me what I'm not doing. God is usually inviting me to what I need to do. So make that distinction. But really, God put this, he put the burden on my heart several months ago after Timothy to do a couple weeks on temptation. So he's done that because he knows that's where we are as a body. And he's done that, not just for good teaching. Hope it's been good teaching. He's done that for good decisions. For good decisions. So... So let's stand and sing. We get near to the end of the song. If you're in today's prayer team, let me have you come up to end the song. This is, a, this is really a, a series that you should be taking advantage of the prayer team. Having someone pray over you, that's one of God's ways of escape.
1: that I hid away, I lay it all at your feet, from the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name, show me the love, I say, is victory in my Savior's loss, in the crimson flowing from the cross, pour over me.
0: It stirred up in me some things God wants. You know, I said, okay, this is not a big deal. And, oh, let's just deal with this. And this song came to mind that Mimi did a couple weeks ago. And just suddenly God, said, are you ready to die to that? I mean, that's what, that's what I ask. Are you ready to die to that? It says in Galatians, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world you know Romans God will talk about those who are followers they have crucified the flesh crucified our sin nature and all of its desires and so we need to live is just crucified and I want to encourage you if there's an area that you maybe you've just gotten used to living with it and which is not God's plan but you've just learned to manage it or whatever boy take advantage of having somebody pray over you that's a provision for you today somebody just praying over you and praying God would give you insight or courage or whatever that might be so you don't have to live there or walk there anymore I want to just speak over you that even if it's something you fall into, you've already fallen into today, you're going to again whether temper or whatever there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus that's not from God, that condemnation of uh, what kind of Christian are you The, the voice of God is we can do better, come to me and we can do better So, Father, thank you for the amazing grace that we sang about and being our defender that we sung over us. Help us to allow you to be that. Help us to receive grace on your terms as you're giving to us. Not grace to cover our sin, but grace that has power to lead us out of it. In this moment, I just pray over our body that you'd allow there to be a spirit of humility that's needed to take advantage of the power of a prayer over, that we do that in that moment. We pray that we be a body that reflects your holiness and yeah, your rightness. So we walk in the way that you've put in front of us. We pray that so that Jesus will be lifted up and all those around us will see how great he is. Amen.